0: You're listening to The Sustainable
1: Angler, and my daddy is the host. All right, a special thanks to my sweetheart for the introduction. My name is Rick Crawford, and I'm the host of The Sustainable Angler Podcast. And on today's show, I interview Daniel Nussbaum, who is the CEO of Z-Man Fishing Products. And we talk about everything from... How Daniel went from studying marine biology to practicing law to working in a tackle shop. Uh, we talk about how Z Man is making the business case for sustainability. And of course, we squeeze in some fishing as well. Um, be sure to check out uh, our website, also, the sustainableangler.com, to read my weekly blog posts, get caught up on previous episodes. And also stay tuned as I will be releasing some brand new the Sustainable Angler merchandise this spring. The Sustainable Angler podcast is brought to you by A New Earth Project, the Sustainability Initiative of Atlantic Packaging, and Emerger Strategies. The Sustainable Angler is available anywhere you listen to podcasts and is now airing Saturdays at 2 p.m on Charleston's first and only community-supported radio station, ohm Radio 96.3 FM. Emerger Strategies helps our clients transform their businesses from a take-make-waste business model to an environmentally restorative and socially just business model, all while boosting profitability. If you're a business owner who's interested in transforming your company, you can take the first step by completing Emerger Strategies' free, simple sustainability assessment. For more information, visit our website at www.emergerstrategies.com. We set out with the New Earth Project to really start a movement. It's a global coalition of people who are deeply concerned and want to accelerate the transition away from problematic packaging to more sustainable solutions. Our entire value proposition was built uh, on helping companies package things better. We were doing sustainability before sustainability was cool. We just called it packaging optimization. And packaging optimization really is about using less. And we built our whole business on that. You know, people send us their products, their goods, and we help them design packaging systems and solutions for the least possible cost, utilizing the least amount of material. Use less is always the right answer. And that's what
0: I see with companies like a New Earth Project is it's like, we're just trying to create solutions for big companies, big companies and small, that makes it easier for them, cheaper for them, whatever it is and then has less impact. Not just trying to tell people you should have less impact and making the choice forced on them. Like make it better for everybody and it'll make it better for the whole world.
1: We see the problem and we are with you.
0: Yeah, it's I guess kind of a long story but I'll try to make it not so long. So, um, you know, we're located not far from you, just outside of Charleston, South Carolina. I was uh, really born and raised in the area, um, actually probably about two miles from where you live, Rick, okay. um, and uh, grew up right down uh, Coburg Creek from you and uh, just got interested in fishing at a really young age. Nobody in my family fished, but I was always passionate about it. Um you know, fished every chance I I could, whether it was off of the beach or in a pond or in a, you know, at a neighbor's dock or something like that. Um, and really got into it as I, you know, got into my teenage years, worked on, uh, you know, some offshore fishing boats in high school and college. And that kind of led me to studying marine biology and environmental policy in undergrad. But I uh, kind of did a U-turn um, after that and ended up going to law school. Really, honestly, my thinking there was that would get me back to Charleston and and enable me to buy a boat as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, and about three years into practicing law, I uh, finally reached the conclusion that it just wasn't for me. Um, it wasn't something that I enjoyed. I was, you know, dealing with people at their worst, basically as a as a litigator. Um, and I wanted to do something, you know, that I really enjoyed and I was passionate about, and that was always fishing. Um, so I uh, left the practice of law uh, I, about six months after I got married, um, and somehow I'm still married <laughs> and work at a tackle shop at the Charleston Angler. Oh yeah, um, which um, which you may remember um, at the time that I came on board there. They had one store and were opening a second store. Charleston Angler was kind of a high end um you know fly shop gear shop uh kind of transitioned into you know more conventional gear and lures and even offshore fishing that's kind of when I came on board helped them open up their second store and kind of ran both of them but when I did that I told my wife that I would um you know give it two years and then kind of decide what I wanted to do when I grew up um and in her eyes I think working in a tackle shop wasn't uh wasn't what she had envisioned when she married a lawyer, I guess, but, um, um, you know, I started looking at other career paths and, um, you know, honestly, the opportunity to run Z-Man, uh, basically just fell in my lap. Um, you know, it's, it's a local company, uh, you know, not far from where I live and uh, Z-Man has been around since, uh, 1995 and really, you know, its predecessor was around before then. Um, when I came on board um, in 2008, so I, I just celebrated my 15-year anniversary last month, wow. Z-Man was mainly a um, company that that supplied lures and lure components to other manufacturers. Okay. And the owners of Z-Man, uh, who are local here to Charleston, decided that they wanted to grow the business, control their own destiny, and sell product under the Z-Man brand. So um, I was brought on board about a year after that decision was made to you know basically be part of uh, revamping our product line and growing the business Um, and we've been pretty successful in in doing that Um, you know we've gone through um, you know we've moved into a new location um, in the last 15 years uh, grown our business from when I started I think we had 22 employees now we have um, over a hundred full-time employees and another about one hundred and forty that do packaging for us at home so uh, wow. it's grown into a, a pretty big operation uh, we do you know our um a lot of our manufacturing in-house and uh, it's kind of a kind of a, a cool business and you know definitely something that i'm I'm passionate about
1: was it when you got into fishing that you were just like oh like this is like probably got obsessed like I did, right? And you're like, "Yeah, this is all I want to do. And
0: I I don't really know the answer to that question because I was so young. I mean, the first, you know, vague memory I have of fishing and part of it's a little bit of a memory and part of it hearing the story from my parents is, you know, fishing on the beach at Sullivan's Island when I was two years old. And, you know, the only thing I caught was a dead crab that I somehow snagged. And from that point on, all I talked about was fishing. I mean, I think I caught my first fish, you know, a bluegill in a pond. I mean, probably most people's first fish is a bluegill in a pond. Um, Right. And, you know, I had an uncle that would, you know, surf fish when we were at the beach in the summer and knew a few other people. And, you know, fortunately it was an interest that, that my parents always fostered, even though they didn't fish. Um, but you know, every person that I met that kind of, you know, took me under their wing, um, was, uh, you know, really influential to me when I was about seven or eight years old. Um, I met a guy, uh, who was a friend of my father's, um, who's a doctor here in Charleston. And he kind of adopted me as his, his fishing son. He had two younger daughters. Um, and, you know, all through, you know, really my elementary school, middle school, high school, I was kind of like his first mate and, you know, always tagged along when, is fishing trips whether they were offshore or inshore so that definitely uh fueled it but um yeah i mean every every chance i i could get when i was younger i had a, a fishing rod in my hand and or i was you know tying flies or making lures in my room or reading magazines and just you know absorbing as much as i possibly could
1: yeah um yeah i think when you when you just when you get into it you get like obsessive about it and um so i can i can relate with you there um but another thing too when we're talking about so this is a random fact i'm not sure if you knew this but i worked at the charleston angler um i didn't know that yeah um for a christmas season while i was in between jobs so i was Uh uh shipping shipping products so i did i did a small uh stint at the Charleston Angler, probably back in uh, 2013 or 2014. And I'll have to tell you some of this offline because we we live parallel lives with, with switching yeah. jobs uh, and, yeah. and uh, I'm sure there's some stories there. And yeah.
0: Actually, there's a pretty impressive list of uh, Charleston Angler al- alumni. Um, there was I was listening to another podcast recently with a few of those guys on there they were running off You know, some of the names like Matt Perkinson, who's now at at DNR. Yeah. And you know, there's a bunch of other people that have kind of worked through that through that shop. So it's kind of cool.
1: (laughs) Have to add to the list. (laughs) Yeah, put put me on. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, um well, let's talk a little bit more about um Z-Man and and your your business and and your products. Um Mm -hmm. You know, I I know Z-Man. Um, I did a little bit of, of of work uh for y'all a few years ago. And um so I'm I'm familiar with your business, but let's just pretend that um you know the, the listener isn't isn't familiar. What are what do y'all sell? Um, what are some of your best sellers? What types of uh what are, you know, just that, that that general rundown?
0: Sure. Yeah. So primarily we're a fishing lure company. Um, we do offer, you know, some apparel and tackle storage kind of items and a couple of different rods that are designed to fish our products. But, you know, 99% of what we sell is uh, fishing, of course. And, um, you know, I'm a, a passion. I mean, I love all kinds of fishing. I mean, whether it's, you know, fly fishing in the mountains or freshwater bass fishing, but I'm primarily a saltwater guy living on the coast here. Um, but one thing I realized uh, pretty quick when I started here, if you want to sell fishing lures, you know, you have to be in that, um, that freshwater, you know, bass fishing world, largemouth and smallmouth bass fishing. So that's been our real focus. I would say probably about 60% of our business is, um, you know, freshwater bass fishing. About um, 30% of it is inshore saltwater uh, fishing lures and about 10% of it is international business. We've got um, distributors in about uh, 35 or 40 countries around the world. Um, in terms of our product line, about half of what we make and sell are uh, soft plastic fishing lures. And uh, one thing that's really kind of put Z-Man on the map is our um, our soft plastic technology. Uh, we sell um, our baits under the Elaztec uh, trade name, but it's a a thermoplastic elastomer, uh, rather than PVC, uh, that other companies use. So we've kind of developed those uh, proprietary materials and manufacturing techniques. Uh, really, over 20 years ago, uh, those were developed here, and we're the first company to uh, to produce or and sell a lure made out of that type of plastic. I mean, now we've seen you know, other factories in China, you know, copying us and making really similar products. But that's one thing that kind of put us on the map. So that's about half of of our business, um, our soft plastic lures. And then the other half are just other, um, you know, skirted jigs, uh, jig heads, terminal tackle. Um, A lot of the jig heads are designed to, and hooks are designed to use with our soft plastics. But, um, you know, you said a minute ago you know pretend somebody knows nothing about z-man well the one bait that um, some some folks may have heard of that we make is a lure called the Chatterbait. bait um, it's a bladed yep. jig um it's like a you know jig head with a blade attached to the hook eye basically that vibrates and has become a um you know really a staple in the bass fishing world and we've got several patents on that and that's been a big part of our business as well so between you know, our plastics and chatterbait, that's what's kind of put us on the map. And we're really, you know, broadening our product line now and, you know, starting to make some hard baits. One thing that's been really successful for us over the last two years um, are some smaller baits for panfish and crappie, which that's, a, you know, kind of been surprised at how large of a market that is. So we're trying to branch out now that we've become a little bit more established. And, and that's that's really kind of the fun part of it is growing the product line.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I I would, I would have never have suspected that either, but I guess they're so accessible, you know, that it's like people want, there's a demand for it.
0: And there are a lot of people that, you know, fish for, you know, smaller species and use smaller lures and that sort of thing. So, um, it's been, been really neat to, to see that take off.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, one of the, the, the things that I wanted to talk about also today is, you know, kind of, hey, when I got into fishing, like, you know, for me, it was, I got really um, obsessed with entomology because I kind of, well, I, I grew up, you know, spin fishing and bait fishing mm-hmm. and everything else. Um, but I got into trout fishing and started learning about entomology. And that was like just real fascinating to me. Um just learning about a different type of species that I grew up fishing and their environment. And that got me, you know, really took me to some places that I, I would not have ever gone before to to chase trout. Um I lived out out west for a few years. And anyway, my, my point is through through all those experiences, I really kind of started to feel a a deep responsibility to to give back to the resource, you know. And mm-hmm and want to do what I could uh, to ultimately, you know, protect what I love. And I, and I wanted to, um, I know Z-Man has, has done some um, some interesting things over, over the last few years, and I kind of wanted to spend a little, little time talking about that, too, um, and wanted to, I guess, get that sort of environmental side of the conversation started off with by, you know, just asking you, you know, what, what you you mentioned, you were marine biology and environmental Mm -hmm. policy uh, undergrad. So clearly that has, has been of interest to you, but just wanted to know sort of what your, um, what are maybe some environmental threats that concern you, or what are the reasons that Seaman has, has taken steps to, to minimize its environmental footprint?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a, a great question, uh, Rick. And that's it's something that I think about a lot too, you know, being on the water. I mean, I try to get on the water every week. I mean, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I might get lucky and be on the water for a couple of days. And, you know, I'm always always thinking about that, you know, what are what are the big threats, especially as we see, you know, increased uh fishing pressure. Um you know, kind of taking a step back. Um, one thing that's pretty cool about Z Man and really our, our parent company um is, is uh we're owned by a, you know, a family-owned uh, business uh here in Charleston. We're you know just a part of what they do. Um but uh their their motto or their mantra is uh, tikkun olam. It's a it's a Hebrew phrase that means repair the world. Um so yeah. you take the, you know, my background and biology, environmental policy. Um, actually one of the reasons why I went to law school, um, in addition to you know wanting to get back home and buy a boat, was, you know, I was initially interested in environmental law until I realized that it was a lot of, you know, reading through regulations and wasn't the most you know, exciting thing in the world. So, you know, between you know our parent company and this Takuno Lom slogan that they live by and the things that are important to me, um, you know, improving our fisheries, improving the environment, um you know, leaving less waste, those are all things that are really important to us at Zman. Um, and that's reflected, you know, both in our product line, um you know, our practices here, some of the changes that we've you know made to our operation that you've been involved with, Rick, um and also to some of the you know organizations that we, affiliate ourselves with too.
1: And what what are um what are some of the like from a product standpoint, what mm-hmm. is um you know and, and maybe it might be helpful too for just for for context for everyone listening. When when I when I talk about sustainability, you know, like what mm-hmm. does that mean? Um what that what that means is the company's environmental footprint and also like social impact. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately um, if you minimize your environmental impact and you, and, and you have a positive community impact, um, you can enhance your bottom line. That's called the, the triple bottom line. And that's just for, for listeners who are going, what, what do we mean by sustainability? That's, that's really what it means. Um, right. And so <clears throat> with, with having that context, you know, what, what is the, uh, from, from a product standpoint, what are the, what are some things that y'all have done to, to minimize your environmental footprint?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, our product itself is, you know, inherently more sustainable than, you know, most other fishing rivers. Um And by our product, I mean, our soft plastic um, elastic material. Okay. Um, and I mean, I think that's, you know, really a major contribution and, you know, exposing, you know, the fishing world to that, to a different type of material. I mean, the real benefits there, Rick, are, you know, our material is, I mean, we say it's it's 10 times tougher than standard plastics, and it's probably more than 10 times tougher. I mean, you can take one of our baits, and you can take a three-inch bait and stretch it to three feet. Um, you know, that's great that it's stretchy, but, you know, where that impacts sustainability is the fact that, You know, an angler can use one lure, you know, all day. I mean, I've got lures tied on now that I fished for three trips in a row and probably caught 40 redfish on. Um, And, you know, you're not going through these plastic lures that are only lasting for one fish or one bite. They're not getting torn off the hook. They're not ending up, you know, littering the bottom of, you know, lakes and waterways where they can leach harmful chemicals into the water or where they can be ingested by fish and cause you know, reproductive harm, that sort of thing. Um, you know, unlike other soft plastics, our material is 100% non-toxic. Um, so it's not going to harm fish or other wildlife, um, you know, with any chemicals that are in it. And it also floats. So it's going to float up to the top, to the surface, you know, where it can be retrieved easily. Um, it'll, you know, the wind will blow it to the side of a lake where it can be picked up. You know, it's not going to sink to the bottom and, you know, cause harm, you um, you know, for an extended period of time. And that's, that's something that's, you know, the fishing industry has come under a bit of fire um, in recent years with, you know, soft plastic lures that have been discarded and that sort of thing. Um, So it's pretty cool to be making, you know, a positive impact in that area. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, anglers out there recognize that as more of a, um, you know, a functional aspect of our lures um, rather than, you know, something that's, you know, achieving sustainability but it, yep. it is uh it is making a difference and in fact there are lakes and private lakes in texas where you know the owners of the lakes have you know banned all other types of soft plastics other than ours because you know they've seen the harm that it can cause to fish there.
1: really that's yeah. wild yeah yeah Uh so the well that's super cool so i mean and and i think too that you make a really good point talking about like Hey, my customer may not necessarily be seeking out my product for like the sustainable attributes of the product, but it's an added benefit. And 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 it, and it sounds like that plastic maybe being designed with being non toxic in mind. So it was kind of like driving innovation, and then you found out, oh, this is actually super durable and stretchy, so we can fish it longer, which makes it. Uh, You know, it makes it better for the environment, ultimately. What else is Z-Man doing on the on the sustainability front that um, that maybe some folks might not know about?
0: Yeah. So, you know, one thing that we did, um, you know, this has really happened in the last three years. But, um, you know, we added a solar array um, to the roof of one of our warehouses. Um and you know obviously there is you know a financial benefit there. I mean we're running you know heavy machinery and I mean there was a time when our power bills were you know seven, eight, nine thousand dollars a month. Um they'd probably be higher now that we're you know running our machines more, but um you know we've basically gotten to a point where we're um you know probably generating about you know 90% of our power needs um through the through the solar um, which is pretty amazing to me and is a much better result than what i had anticipated um in fact i think the first year um we actually you know made a little bit of money selling the power power back um but uh, you know, since then we've kind of ramped up our machine usage. But uh it's it's pretty neat that we are, you know, harnessing the power of the sun to make fishing lures and you know, not pulling power off the grid um, and you know using using solar power for everything that we're almost everything that we're doing now.
1: Um, and I mean that that's something that is so I used to install solar panels and I'm just you know, that's I'm obviously in with emergent strategies in the sustainable sustainability world. That's what I do, but it's still always fascinating to me. And I, and I really want to just highlight how incredible this is just from a, from just an economic bottom line perspective, mm-hmm. like it, it cut 90% of your power needs. So let's say that y'all are doing, uh, I don't know, I'm going to be, I'm gonna to have to pull up a calculator. I'm not very smart, but <laughs> let's just call it eight thousand a month, okay? Yeah. So eight thousand—that's on. around a hundred grand a year in power. Okay, so you got about a hundred grand a year in savings from solar, and and solar power uh, causes no air pollution, right? So it's a it's an environmental win, and it's an economic one. I mean, th- and that that is the power of sustainability. You know I mean? That, that, that is the business case for it. It's going, Mm -hmm. Hey, we can minimize our environmental footprint, improve our economic bottom line. That's it's, it's a win-win.
0: Yeah. When when we looked at the numbers and, you know, I mean, there were were tax incentives involved and things like that, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was about a five or six year payback. And to us, that was a no brainer. You know, normally, I mean, you look at something and, you know, five or six year payback and you might kind of hem and haw about it a little bit. But, you know, the fact that, you know, we were reducing emissions by doing that, you know, made it a way grander.
1: Yeah. 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 And I mean, the, I think the, another obviously huge component, if there's any, you know, business owners listening to this and are going, hey, you know, we got to think about doing this, another huge, uh, I guess hurdle that you don't have to worry about is if you, it it makes the most sense if you own the building, you know, and and otherwise it's, it can be tough. um, and may not not even be doable with, with a landlord, but if you own the building and you consume large amounts of, of energy, you have a big energy demand. It it is certainly worth exploring. And I mean, this is like the perfect business case for it. You eliminate a hundred grand off your bottom line. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. um all right so you you've got a, a non toxic uh Alastec lore you're reducing your emissions with solar which has also had some huge cost savings are there any other environmental uh sustainability type initiatives that you're y'all you're y'all working towards
0: yeah i mean the, the other big one for us um is um you know reprocessing our waste material yep. um You know, in a typical soft plastic manufacturing environment, um, you know, all of the waste material is basically scrap and gets discarded, whether it's um, and I think it's a little bit tough to um, understand how much waste is generated without seeing an injection molding operation. But basically, you know, we've got these, you know, molds that are about 36 inches long that crank out anywhere from, you know, 20 to 80 baits at one time and in order for the plastic to flow in all these little mold cavities cavities there's a, a runner that the material runs through um, and so the, the material that remains in that runner just gets discarded if you have you know a bait that um you know isn't perfect isn't sellable which happens you know quite frequently um then that gets discarded um You know, for other soft plastic manufacturers, that just, you know, basically ends up in the trash. Um, Because of our material, it's a um, thermoplastic elastomer. Thermo means heat. It can be, you know, melted down, uh, reprocessed, recycled, um, you know, numerous times. And so we um, actually save our scrap material. And are able to reprocess, you know, about 50 to 60 percent of it um, into into new baits. Um, you know, it depends a little bit on, on you know, if it's a, a two color bait, the colors can kind of mix and we can't always reuse that. If the most popular bass fishing color is a color called green pumpkin. So I don't know why they call it green pumpkin. It's basically a, a dark green with with black glitter in it. But we're running good. that constantly, and we can just grind that back up, and you know mix it, you know fifty-fifty with some fresh material, and reuse that. Or you know we save a lot of our waste material that can't be uh, made into new product, and use it, um, you know, to flush out our machines when we're when we're changing colors rather than using uh, virgin material. So we've really made an effort um, to you know reprocess as much of our scrap and waste material as we can. Um, by the time uh, something is discarded here, it's usually been through our machine at least two times, sometimes more.
1: Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is awesome, right? Because I mean, a, a, a normal, or I don't want to say normal, but you know, you, you think of, because I, I, when I came to Toriel's place, when we were starting to do a little work together, and the, uh I had never been in a facility like that. And it was super cool, but to, to, to put it in perspective, you know, you're you would just think, okay, well, this is the sort of the the byproduct, right? You know, it's like I got the lure made, and the rest of this is, you know, what are we going to do with it? You know, we, we can't do anything. And the fact that y'all took those extra steps to see, hey, could this be reprocessed and made into to new material? You know, the that that kind of thinking um, is in in what I see and working with clients and and reading about other companies that are doing cool stuff and sustainability is that it, it, it drives innovation, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean that, that there's something to be said for that. And I feel like not, a, not a lot of people or enough people know the things that Z-Man is, is doing kind of in, in the background that are better for the environment and also moving an industry forward and, and in the right direction and, and has established itself as, as a real leader in in my opinion
0: yep and and you know the one the one thing that I really hope to accomplish you know in the next couple of years is you know figuring out what to do with the rest of that material even after it's been run through our machines I mean we're constantly um, you know just the other day we were experimenting with you know a potential application outside a marine application outside the fishing lure space to you know reprocess and you know actually manufacture something a consumer product from our scrap material which um you know is important to us you know i mean yeah we want to add to our top line and our bottom line but you know really the whole point of that exercise is to figure out something to do with that waste material
1: yeah yeah and i mean i think the um in in some cases it depends on the the product. But I mean, you know, if you're a manufacturer listening to this and you're like, Hey, what can we do with this waste? It, it's worth looking into if there's buyers for it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you you could potentially, it doesn't always work out that way, but if you haven't, um, it's definitely worth exploring to see, because you could even create a new revenue stream, which again, is that win-win that we're talking about with sustainability. It's like, okay, this we could Potentially make money selling our waste product that's reducing the waste sent to the landfill. That's, you know, that, that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Z-MAN's got the non-toxic product. Uh, solar is minimizing waste sent to landfill, all, all positives on the environmental side and economic side. Um, but on the the social bottom line, sort of what, in sustainability, what we call that, that is. You're looking at, at a range of things, but one of the uh, KPIs, if you will, of, of social bottom line is, um, you know, volunteering or 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 uh, giving back to conservation organizations. And I wanted to I wanted to spend a, a little bit of time talking about the some organizations that, that Z-Man supports, because I know that's important to you all as well. Yeah, it, it absolutely
0: is. And, and really, you know, one thing that I wanted to mention, um, too, that is, you know, a little bit different from what you're talking about, Rick, but I think it's worth mentioning, uh, because I think there's a lot of people, even in the fishing industry, definitely in the general public that don't understand this. Um, but, um, you know, one thing that, and, and I've given a couple of talks um, about this to, um, you know, different state agencies. Um, the uh, Southeast uh, Organization of Fish and Wildlife um, Agencies and a couple of others. But, um, you know, in, one thing I always mention when I when I give these talks um, about this is a book that you gave me when we first met. And that's a Von Chouinard's book, um, yeah. you know, with the concept of of one percent for the planet. Um, you know, that really, you know, I read that book cover to cover within days of you giving it to me and it really made me think about things. And, but the one thing, you know, when I closed that book, the one thing that I, that popped into my head, um, you know, with the idea of giving, you know, 1% of your, uh, profits or, you know, 10% of your revenue, you know, back, you know, to sustainability causes, um, is, you know, we're actually already doing this, um, And the way that we're doing that is through, um, I mean, through the federal excise tax program. Uh, A lot of people aren't aware of this, but um, you know, all fishing tackle sold in the United States, you know, the manufacturer has to pay a 10% tax on all of their sales. Um, That money goes to the Fish and Wildlife Service, is distributed to the states, and I think it makes up about 50 to 60% of most states. Uh, Department of Natural Resources operating budget. And they're doing, you know, things like, um, you know, running fish hatcheries and, you know, promoting, you know, running aquatic uh, education programs and doing all sorts of great things with that money. Um, but, you know, that's something that I think, um, you know, not just Z-Man, but the entire fishing industry um you know, contributes that I think is probably worth mentioning because it's, you know, it's not insignificant. Again, you know, 40 to 50 percent of um, of these, uh, you know, state budgets are, are, you know, getting funded by these excise tax dollars. Uh, And, you know, some of it goes to enforcement and building, you know, boat ramps and things like that. But a lot of it goes, you know, right back into into helping, you know, rebuild and improve our fisheries. And, you know, not only is it important to understand that that's a way that manufacturers like Z-Man are um, contributing, but I think that it's important also because there's so much, they call it tax slippage, but it's basically, there's so much fishing tackle sold in the United States where that tax isn't being paid. You know, whether you're buying from a Chinese company on Amazon or from, you know, Alibaba or you know, from a small, you know, lure maker that may not, you know, abide by those rules, by the tax rules. So, I mean, I think it's important to support, um, you know, reputable fishing tackle manufacturers because that money goes right back into our resource. Um, so I, I just wanted to mention that. I know it's getting a little bit off track, but uh, that's a way that, you know, not just Z-Man, but all fishing tackle companies in the United States are are giving back.
1: Well, well, I know. I mean, I I think it's important because I think you know most people don't you know don't know that that's a a cost of doing business that that fishing lure manufacturers do, and 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 uh, I think the benefits of like kind of put this in perspective. If you're saying you know, hey, it helps fund DNR, well, we'll keep it local here to Charleston, but you know, DNR has an incredible Uh, oyster shell recycling program Mm -hmm. and some of that funding is is coming from supporting American fishing lure manufacturers am I wrong in making that connection
0: that's exactly correct and and here's an example I was uh two weekends ago I went fishing um here you know up the up the Cooper River uh into some brackish areas and I mean it was it was a a fantastic day i mean we caught you know trout redfish flounder um a largemouth bass but we caught you know probably six or seven striped bass and you know i was talking with the guy i was fishing with he was friends with the folks at dnr all of those striped bass that are in that river and in a lot of our coastal rivers here are stocked fish um you know so that's you know basically our tax dollar our excise tax dollars going to support those stocking programs and, you know, create it. It's basically they've revived a fishery. I mean, those fish were essentially, you know, extinct. Um, and they've, you know, revived that fishery through stocking and that the money for the stocking programs comes from when, you know, somebody walks into a tackle shop and you know buys a pack of hooks or a rod and reel.
1: Wow. well, that's cool. No, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I I I, don't, I, I would be willing to bet you know most folks are are, are unaware of the the, mm-hmm. the companies are are doing that um, and already giving back. Are there any other sort of conservation organizations that 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 Z-man supports? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, you know, one that we've um, that we've really gotten behind um, in the last few years is Captains for Clean Water. Um, yeah down in florida and i know that you're probably familiar with with captains for clean water and and the work that they're doing as well as the the issues that they're facing um in florida whether it's you know in the everglades and you know the southern part of the state with um you know lake okeechobee discharges and and you know water quality issues, you know, related to red tides and things like that, or, you know, septic tank issues. I mean, they've got a host of of issues and, you know, Florida is the number one, um, number one fishing state. So, you know, it's very important. So we've, um, you know, been partnering with those guys over the last few years, we're actually working towards, uh, you know, bringing them up here to Charleston in a couple of months and, and hosting an event with them up here to kind of raise awareness um, we really like what they're doing. Uh, we work a lot with, um, you know, some of the CCA local chapters, um, you know, CCA, I, I really like working with them on the local level because, you know, you mentioned, you know, DNR doing, um, you know, oyster, um, oyster habitat kind of replenishment. Well, that's something that our local CCA chapter here, you know, in, in uh, our East Cooper chapter in Mount Pleasant, where I live, you know, something that they're actively engaged in. So, you know, a lot of smaller kind of grassroots kind of organizations like that. Um, the other thing that we've taken on um, over the last few years, um, you know, for us um, and, you know, with my background in, um, in marine biology, I mean, I think that, you know, the solutions always start with, with research. Um, and uh, we've got a relationship with the um, University of Florida's Marine Lab in, in Cedar Key, um, Florida. And we've, for the last few years, we've been down a graduate um, research assistantship um, at, uh, at Cedar Key Lab. And it's been specifically, the, the research project um, has been specifically, you know, Focused on on uh, game fish and improving their fisheries. Now the the graduate um, uh, research assistant now is working on uh, snook research. Um, in the past, um, they worked on sea trout research. So you know all things that that are important to us at Z Man. You know definitely important to our business too. But um, you know just looking for opportunities uh, where we can to contribute.
1: Well, oh, that that that's that's awesome. Um, and I, I I would be remiss. Well, I guess I would say before we we do that, I would just say um, for anyone listening that's thinking about this, the it's the way that I look look at it, and I obviously am, am biased. But correct me if I'm wrong. But the you know, I mean, it, ultimately, Z Man is proving. That doing good is good for business. I mean, you're you're, you're supporting conservation, some be it through an excise tax, some be it through uh, funding for for research, some be it through uh, protecting your local waterways with with oyster reef restoration. You're minimizing the environmental footprint of your product and your operations, and ultimately, that has a positive effect on your economic bottom line.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of it might not be, you know, some of it is immediate, like the solar project, some of it like, you know, investing in, you know, scientific research. I mean, that, you know, may have a longer timeline, but, but yeah, I think you're a 100% right. And and those are the kind of opportunities that we look for, where it's, you know, obviously going to, you know, help the, you know, help fisheries, help water quality. But, you know, at the end, that all helps our business.
1: Yep. Well, okay, so now um, I would be remiss if we didn't talk some fishing um, because let's do you know, it. We we we've been talking we've been we've been talking lures, but not 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 a ton of fishing. So yeah. Um. All right. Fate. What is your uh, favorite saltwater species to to catch?
0: Uh, without a doubt, redfish. Yeah. I mean, that was you know. I mean that's. Yeah, somebody around here, and that's most likely going to be their answer. And I love the, you know, offshore fishing, and have been lucky to do a lot of that. Um, But, you know, I find myself nowadays with just complete tunnel vision on catching redfish in 18 inches of water or less. (laughs) Um, You know, whether I'm, you know, seeing the fish and casting to it, or, you know, it's a visual strike on a topwater plug. Um, that's, that's what really gets me fired up. So, you know, 90% of the time when I'm on the water, that's what I'm doing.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, I can, I can relate. Um, what, what is, uh, what's your favorite, um, Z-Man lure that you're throwing at uh redfish in 18 inches of water? Yeah. So we make a,
0: a bait. It's actually one of the, when I started here, I was doing really until the last couple of years was kind of overseeing all the the product design and product development stuff. And um, one of the first baits that I um, that I designed, uh, gosh, it's probably 13 or 14 years ago now. It's called the Paddlers, and it's a one. I, it's a four-inch um, little swim bait with a really thin paddle tail and kind of a thin body with a couple of you know segments in the body. It gives it this real subtle swimming action. You know, most paddle tail swim baits, it's kind of an aggressive action. And um, I wanted something that, you know, had a little bit more action than like a like a jerk shad or a, a zoom fluke or something like that, but not enough to spook our fish because they can get pretty finicky. And I feel like if I'm throwing that four-inch paddlers and we make a color called redfish toad, um, that, uh, that we came up with a few years ago. And if I'm, I'm throwing that, and if I'm not getting bit, it's more likely than not that that fish probably isn't Uh, (laughs) going to eat. there's times a year, you know, we're getting to the time of year where the water cools down and we'll start throwing some smaller stuff, but, you know, for 10 months of the year, that's the most effective. hands
1: All right. And, um, so that's salt water. What about, uh, fresh water?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, if you had asked me what my favorite fish to catch overall is, you know, not just saltwater fish before, I probably wouldn't have said redfish, although it's a close call but um, the last few years I've just become obsessed with smallmouth bass fishing, um, which unfortunately we don't have smallmouth bass here in the low country. There are some up up towards Columbia uh, and a little bit past there, but uh, we we kind of came up with this, um, I, I guess I'd call it a, a system. I mean, it's a jig head and a soft plastic um, called the Ned Rig, which, you know, most bass fishermen are, are familiar with. And it. it's basically just a really small jig head, you know, size one or two hook, you know, light jig heads, 10th of an ounce, 15th of an ounce, and a really small little, um, you know, 2.75 inch uh, stick bait. Um, soft plastic um, you know stick worm kind of lure and when we were kind of exploring that project I met a guy um, who invited me to go fish with him up at Lake of the Woods in Canada Um, and that was probably eight or nine years ago and I was immediately addicted to smallmouth bass fishing I mean they They fight hard. They're plentiful up north. Um, I mean, we've had days where we catch, you know, one to two hundred smallmouth bass, all on light tackle. And it's just it's just an absolute blast. So I try to make a trip up north every summer to smallmouth bass fish. Um, Happens about every other summer. But if I can pack about five hundred smallmouth bass into a week, then I'm pretty happy for the rest of the year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I would be too. Yeah. Um well th- all right. So this leads me uh to uh f- I guess one of one of the last questions because we're we're running out of a little bit of time, but um you've had an opportunity to travel some to fish. It sounds like you just mentioned Canada. Mm-hmm. Um what are where maybe are are some of your favorite places you've that fishing has has taken you that you've been able to to go?
0: Yeah, definitely, you know, Lake of the Woods in Canada is up there. I mean, that is, it's probably the most beautiful place I've ever been. There's not a lot, you get out, it's a huge lake, you get out on the lake and you might go all day without seeing, I mean, you see more bald eagles than you do other boats. Um, So that's definitely a cool place. Um, I love going um, to Louisiana, you know, Louisiana Delta, that uh, Venice area. I've been really fortunate to have gotten to go down there. Um, a bunch in fish um, and you know the, the fishing for redfish is phenomenal the offshore fishing for tuna and stuff like that I mean you can catch fish of all sizes down there it's actually you know a little bit bittersweet talking about it because that fishery is under so much pressure just between um, you know the erosion issues they have down there and they have you know commercial Menhaden trawlers everywhere and you know, not a great catch and release ethic, unfortunately. Um, but that's a really cool place. Uh, the last place I'd mentioned, which I was just talking to somebody about this last week, and I'm dying to get back up there, is the Susquehanna River in Pennsylvania, which is like, almost like, like, uh, I mean, it's almost like a whitewater river in place. And they say it's it's a mile wide and a foot deep, but I was up there a few summers ago fishing on a a, a jet-powered aluminum boat you know running the rapids and that <laughs> it's just one of the coolest experiences that was smallmouth bass fishing but just you know getting to go to a place like that that's just completely different um i mean those are definitely my three favorite uh places that i been. To.
1: love it um well daniel i really uh appreciate you you taking the time to to do an interview and um Talk about sustainability and conservation, and and um, why we love to fish. So, yeah.
0: and thank you, Rick. I appreciate everything that you're doing too, to you know, bring some of these issues to the forefront and you know help uh, guide businesses in ways that they can be part of the solution.
1: All right. Well, thanks to Daniel and Z-Man Fishing Products for leading by example. Um, Also, thank you for listening to The Sustainable Angler. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, if you could, please leave a rating and review. Uh, That helps to spread our message and hopefully educate and inspire even more anglers to protect the planet. Thanks for tuning in.